Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 how Abel knew that the offering that God wanted and would respect would be a blood offering and what Adam and Eve did as parents to teach Abel about that offering. Now, this message is always available for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or also available online at itunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Every morning and also on social media, Tom Cantor puts out his daily devotional verse. So we want to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse that will come to your phone or your email that you can receive that every day. It's just one verse from the Bible and a small one or two sentence commentary on that verse to encourage you in your daily friendship with God. So sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse on friendshipwithgod.org on our website, friendshipwithgod.org. You can sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse or find it on Facebook. And you can search for Tom Cantor, Friendship with God, or Israel Restoration Ministries. You'll be able to learn more about our ministries as well as receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. And again, if you want to support this Bible teaching radio program, just call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 3 about how Abel knew the right offering that God wanted. All right, so let's look at uh, Genesis uh, chapter 4, which is a portion we've been studying in here. And let's start off this morning now. As we do, let's start with prayer. Father, we come to you this morning with one word, Lord, help. Lord, help us this morning. Help us as we study in your word to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, so that we can come out of this class this morning and say with more understanding than we had before, God is good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now text here. Genesis chapter 4, let's follow along and start here in verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man, the Lord. And she again bare his, his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And in Abel he also brought of the first things of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. But Cain was very wroth, his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt not thou be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Cain talked with Abel his brother, And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I thy brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood, or literally bloods, crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood, from thy hand, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be heard, hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Whosoever, therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, Thence shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, 
on the east of Eden. Now, last week we took this ride, this emotional ride. It was really a roller coaster ride with Eve. We got tickets to the ride, Eve's emotional roller coaster. And we got on that roller coaster and with Eve. And we went up to the height of the roller coaster with the birth of Cain. When she, without really asking God, she just proclaimed in verse 1 there that she had gotten God's remedy for sin. She was so excited. Death issue, the sin issue was all taken care of because she got the man. She got the God man, she said. We looked at that, the literal Hebrew, when she said, I've gotten the man God. She got the divine serpent head crutcher. That's what she was saying. She got the divine Messiah, she thought. And she was holding within her hands this one. So she was at the top of her emotional roller coaster. And then we saw that as, as that baby named Cain grew up before them, that that baby was making all kinds of wrong decisions. And something was developing that was very disturbing. And this turned out to be, as she saw, this was, she was wrong, dead wrong. This was not the man God at all that she thought. And she, she watched with great hope for her presumed rescuer, Cain, and when she didn't see in Cain, the man God, to her shock, she saw a person that was more like the man devil and more like the man serpent. And when she saw Cain become this little devil, her emotional roller coaster, it just plunged straight on down to the bottom. And she went into this dive of depression. As she saw all of her hopes and Adam from being rescued from sin and death, they just plunged down there. They got shattered as they watched Cain become an anti-God and they watched Cain become disobedient, selfish, hostile, just a little devil. And the tragedy was much more than just a kid went bad. The tragedy here was that, that they saw in Cain that he was not their ticket out. He was not their rescuer. He was not going to get them out of all this sin and death that they'd gotten themselves into. So they looked at Cain and they said, you know, he's our, he's our physical son, but he's just not one of us to Adam and Eve. Our boy Cain, he just represents who we were when they looked at him. You see, our boy Cain, he's the epitome of the old us. He was the way we were back in the garden when we ran away from God and we hid from God and we rebelled against God and rebuffed him when he asked us questions. And when we see Cain, we just see that old us that didn't need God to solve our problems. We went about and we made aprons of fig leaves and we were proud of those self-made aprons. We were. And Cain, he just scares us because what we see in Cain is the old us and in that hostility that blames everyone for the sin that we were guilty of. Cain, he scares us because our boy Cain, he's just a part of our old seed. And, and our old seed is the one that God, the one, that, the one that, that's the one that replied to God, no, to God. That's the one that didn't want God. That's the seed that was independent of God. That was the seed that says, I want to be free from God. That's the seed that says, I will not have this God to reign over me. That's the way we used to be. That was the seed we came from. That was the old seed. But Adam and Eve could say to themselves, a great change happened to us. We left our old seed. We changed into a new seed. We, we changed our seedship. 
And that change in seed shift happened to us when we decided to come out from our hiding from God. When we decided to cast ourselves on the mercy of God and throw down the weapons of our warfare. That change happened when we decided to stop trying to fix ourselves with our self-made fig leaf aprons. And we let God clothe us with his sacrificial coats of skins. And we're so happy with our new seed and there's no turning back for us. But the big problem is our boy Cain. He wants to stay in the old seed and have nothing to do with the new us, with the new seed. So Eve realized that Cain was going to be no leader of the new seed to rescue them. But he was the, he was the leader of the old rotten seed that they were ashamed of. When, when Eve saw this, her emotional roller coaster just went straight on down to the bottom. She hit rock bottom. And the next birth, you can picture it, a baby's bored. Eve, it's a boy. What do you want to name it? Call him perishing. That's what Abel means. Call him vanity. It's the key word of, of the book of Ecclesiastes, Abel. There's no hope. There's no more hope. Hope is vain. Our hope is perishing. Well, forget about this promises of God stuff. It's all gone. Now, Eve naming her secondborn perishing was like a slap in the face to God. And it was as if he says to God, God, here's what I think of your Genesis 3.15 promises. I think they're, they're vanity. Here's what I think about you bringing us a head crusher for the serpent. Perishing. So when we read this, we want to jump in and say, Eve, 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 take it easy, Eve. Just slow down. We, we want to say, don't name the boy that. Don't give him that name, Eve. But that's the name he got. And it's really a description of her despair and depression. And at this point in history, you know, what's so great about God is that he doesn't react at this point against Eve. You know, he doesn't step in there and say, Eve, what are you doing? Can't you be patient? Can't you cut me a little slack, Eve? Can't you just give me a chance? And then for us who might get super critical of Eve, then God would say to us, hold it, Eve's my child. I love my child. I'll bring her along. That's my business. That's my pay scale. That's not your pay scale. He says, just wait and see. So we can be sure that Eve, as time went on, that she wished that she hadn't named him Abel. But, you know, she did it during a time when she was in depression and giving up on God's promises. And she gave him the name. And unfortunately, her moment was memorialized. And... Um, it's 6,000 years later right now, and we're still reading about her bad day. And uh, sometimes we have a bad day, and sometimes we have a bad spirit. And it's best to be careful, and don't say very much, and don't do very much. Because it's during those times when we say things, and we wish that we could take them back. And it's during those times when we do things, and we just wish that we could just rewind the tape and take another take on it. In this case, Eve, she just had a bad time in her life. It's just, it's just it's a bad day. When she gave birth to her secondborn, and Eve's bad spirit of depression and giving up on God, well, here it is. She just wished that everyone could just forget about her bad day, but unfortunately, it's been here for a while. So what does the naming of Abel teach us? 
about it, about uh, uh, about this. What, what lesson do we carry along, away from it? The little children's song. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Right? <laughs> careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. Okay? And be careful, little hands, what you do. And so forth. Now, there's just one verse. It's an interesting verse. And it describes just one night in the life of David. And it's found in 2 Samuel 11:2, And it says this. And it came to pass in an evening tide. See? One evening tide. Just one that David arose from off his bed and he walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. It's just one night. Just one night in the life of David. And David was having a bad night. So he decided to take a walk on his roof And he saw a woman named Bathsheba, who just happened to be another man's wife. And that led him to adultery. And that led him to murder her husband, Uriah. All from just one bad night. All from just one bad walk. All from just one bad look. So there's more parts of the children's song for David. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Careful, little feet, where you go. There's a father up above. He's looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. And one more verse for David. Well, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Okay? So one night, one walk, one look, and it's immortalized for going on 3,000 years for now. We read about it. And David ends up saying, you know, does the whole thing with Bathsheba and Uriah have to be immortalized? I mean, you know, couldn't it be just forgotten already? Does it have to be written down? Verse 4, Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel to his offering. So here we see Abel, and he's bringing an animal, and he's sacrificing it to God, and then it says God has respect to Abel and to his offering. Now here's a question. How did Abel know that, that, the, that the offering that God wanted and that would be, res, would be respected would be a blood offering? Well, the answer is obviously because of Adam and Eve. They taught him. They took their responsibility seriously, and they taught their boy, Abel. And they said to Abel, Abel, we're going to tell you what you need to know about God. And they said to Abel, we came to God wearing this plant sacrifice, this fig leaves. And we sacrificed the fig leaves. I don't even know if you can sacrifice fig leaves, but anyways, they sacrificed fig leaves. And we made this apron, and God said, no, that's not acceptable. I don't have respect for your apron of fig leaf. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We want to continue to remind you of our tremendous offer that we're having as part of the resource of the month. It's our last week to give you this offer of Tom Cantor's DVD teaching on the six days of creation and the seventh when God rested. It's a DVD teaching with Tom Cantor and many other creation scientists. We're offering that DVD on the six days of creation and the seventh when God rested. 
and a bonus resource, a great book on the Ice Age and the Flood that asks the question about science and does it show millions of years in the Bible or does it show a young earth? It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science both line up and explain the Ice Age. These two great resources will help you take a journey back through time, Tom Cantor's DVD teaching on the six days of creation, and the Ice Age book, all yours for a donation of $20 or more. Call 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051 for these resources. And so God came, they're teaching the boy, and he replaced, he, made, he, he took off our apron of fig leaves and he made instead coats of skin. And we saw God kill the animals. We saw the blood that happened in order for him to provide us for our covering and to save us from being exposed before a holy God. God did this. So Abel, God saves through substitutionary death. And that death has to be a blood offering. So Abel, he's listening, he takes it to heart. And he brings the blood offering because Adam and Eve taught him and he obeyed. That shows us that Adam and Eve were not just parents who took care of his physical needs of their children, but took care of the spiritual needs of their children. Good parents understand the most important part, what they can give to their children is to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most important part, to guide them in their own personal life with God teach their children the truths of the Bible, show their children through their own lives how to do it. And you can picture in your mind Adam and Eve leading Abel to the animal and teaching Abel, and and Abel, you got to sacrifice this animal, bring this dead animal as a sacrifice, and, and, and that's what he did. And Abel, this is what they could say, we did ourselves. We let God clothe us. We did. I'm not telling you. I'm not saying to you, Abel, do as I do, but don't not as I do as I say, but not as I do. My mother used to say that to me. But anyway, they said, do as we say and do as we do, because we've done this, and that was an effective message that came from his two parents. Truths from their mouth, testimonies from their lives that they were obeying what they were teaching. That's what kids so desperately need. They need to hear from the parents. They need to see from their parents Bible truths in action. Kids need to see this. Now, that's what Adam and Eve did for their, their boy Abel, and that's how Abel knew how to bring a sacrifice that would please God. On the other hand, as good as parents as Adam and Eve were, there will be children like Cain who will say no. That's their decision. Who will say no. That's no indication that Adam and Eve did a bad job. You can imagine that the firstborn being Cain, they really poured their heart into him because each person comes to a point of personal decision. That's the age of accountability. In the Jewish culture, that's the age of 13 when a, when a boy is now accountable symbolically, ceremonially on his own. That was when David's boy was less than a week old and he died, it says in 2 Samuel 12, 23, but now he is dead. That's his less than his one-week-old baby boy. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. What was David saying there? That baby was less than a week old, and David said, I'll go to him. I'll join him. I'll see my son in heaven. The baby boy was less than a week old. He didn't have an opportunity to hear God's gospel according to Moses and how to be saved and make a personal decision. 
Abraham said very well in Genesis 18.25, the judge of all the earth shall do right. That's what he said. And God, the judge of all the earth, does good. He does right. Babies before the age of accountability go to heaven. Now, at this point, there is an age of accountability in Jewish culture. Like I said, that's the bar mitzvah. That's, that's 13. And you know what's interesting about the Lord Jesus Christ? We know nothing about him as he was growing up as a boy. We know nothing. Until finally, when he's 30 years old and he presents himself in his public ministry, God speaks from heaven, says, here he is, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. John the Baptist uh, baptizes him and starts his three-year public ministry. He's 30 years old. We know nothing about what happened from the time that he was born. We saw him at his birth in the manger there, but we know nothing during this 30-year silent period when he was growing up, except for one event. And that event is just before his bar mitzvah, when he is 12 years old. And at this age of accountability, when he's going to be judged for his own personal decisions, he's 12 years old, it's the feast of Passover, he's in the synagogue, he's disputing with the rabbis, and his parents find him, and he makes one statement where the boy, about to be 13 years old, is making a life statement. And that's all we ever hear, that's all we ever see of his life it's like a rose thrown over the, the wall about him. And, and that statement is, in Luke 2.49, I must be about my father's business. That's what he said. And so what we know is that 18 years, we have, we, so in his life, 12 years, silence. All of a sudden, a little, op- little window opens up. We look inside, we hear him say, I must be about my father's business. Window closes, 18 more years go on before we see him again. What a statement. I must be about my father's business. That was his personal life statement. That you can picture him coming up on his bar mitzvah day. He stands on the bima of the synagogue there as a man, and he's asked, and he says, now today you're a man, and so in a sense you're embarking onto your own life. You're going to make your own life decisions. Can you tell us one key decision that you have made for your whole life? And the boy stands up, and he says, on this day I would like everybody to know I want it to be public. I want a life statement to be heard by everybody, and that life statement is I must be about my father's business. And that's what he did. And he lived by that principle and died by it, about his father's business. He never deviated from it. Abel made a similar decision to obey God. Cain made the opposite decision. And that was the tragedy of it, to not be a follower of God. Now, verse 2, Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. Someone might say, oh, I get it. It was just easier for Abel to bring the blood sacrifice because, after all, he was a shepherd. So he had the sheep right under his control. But it was harder for Cain because he was a farmer. He had to go get the sheep. Well, okay, it might have been easier for Abel. Sure it was to bring a blood sacrifice. But it all has to do with what God wants. And so Cain says, look, I'll bring to God what I have. Just like Abel, he'll bring to God what he has. Each person will bring to God what he has. Abel's a keeper of sheep, so let him bring sheep. I'm a farmer, so let me bring fruit to God. And, and, and Cain says, God, he should be happy with whatever he gets. From Abel, he gets the sheep. From me, he gets the fruit. That's the way I see it. God needs to be tolerant and uh, just accept any offering as long as it's brought. And Cain thought, 
I don't care what God wants. It's just a lot easier for Abel to go ahead and bring to God what he wants. It's a lot harder for me. And since religion is all man-made up anyways, it really doesn't matter. And my religion, Cain speaking, is just as good as his religion because this is my reality, that's his reality, and there's no absolute standards, so that's Cain. Cain didn't care what God wanted because he only cared about what he wanted to bring to God. Another outstanding message today from Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program. And if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching on Friendship with God as you're driving, listening at home, or downloading on the go, and you're growing in your friendship with God and your walk with God, we'd like you to start or continue supporting this Bible teaching, this Old Testament teaching radio program. Now, many don't teach from the Old Testament, but Tom Cantor has a, an amazing ability and way to communicate the Old Testament in modern-day expressions as a master teacher that he is, and he empowers and encourages you as a Christian to grow in your walk with God. Now, if you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program, we need your support to continue airing on this station in this city. So please call us with a donation of any amount. And for any donation of $20 or more, we'll send you two resources, Tom Cantor's DVD teaching on the six days of creation and the seventh when God rested, as well as an ice age and flood book, It'll show you that the Bible and science line up and explain the Ice Age and a young earth. Now, these two great resources are yours for a donation of $20 or more for your support of the Friendship with God radio program on this station in your city. So call us now at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Get these two great resources. This is the last week to do so. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. 